What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week? Hi, friends. I'm good. Baseball's back. What do you mean? Baseball's alive. We what? didn't have that. We didn't have that news as of our last recording. Schwebzy, it's not disco. It's not dead. It was never dead. It was just on. It was just, it was oh. just a, in a in a Rob Manfred induced coma. Really, there was, was no there was no guarantee it was coming back. Baseball was <laughs> dead as far as I'm concerned, and we brought it back. It was nearly dead. It was it almost fra- dead. It has been Frankenstein alive again. Uh, it's it really has been miracle news. maxed. Oh yes, it is back. I love some Princess Bride. I haven't watched Princess Bride <laughs> in a long time. Thanks for the reminder. I need to watch that again. Uh, uh, yeah, such a classic. Uh, there's been a flurry of not like super crazy big free agent signings but at the same time it's like a lot of folks that we would probably talk about on this show that have kind of signed uh i'm trying to think like in in particular for like atlanta they got chadwick trump i don't think we're actually gonna ever talk about chadwick trump but uh something has gone horribly wrong uh, if we have to talk about chadwick trump or i guess for the braves chadwick (laughs) something's gone terribly right true correct uh but yeah it's exciting we have a now a renewed purpose in our lives recording these episodes which is really really good it all That's means great. something this, again this is my first purpose i'm really excited for it <laughs> all right and then i'm trying to think if there's any other like big signings we should talk about up front was there anything like major like for us oh i guess isaiah kiner falefa i don't know if he was post 300 he wasn't was he because the josh young i i refuse injury. to talk about ikf i mostly just brought him up because i know that you don't like him that much he he he. he so it, it's kind of like he's like kind of like Dalton Varsho, except less good. And I I didn't like Varsho either before his a uh, big breakout in the second half of last year. It's like when a player is like only valuable because of where they're you know uh positionally eligible. Yeah. I'm, I I just I, I can't get excited for that. Isn't he's not a good baseball player by my estimation? Which you know isn't gospel obviously, but I I just am personally not a fan. That's fair. And I well, I will say, though, this does have an impact on someone. Did you bring up Jose Miranda last week or two weeks ago? I, I did. Yeah. So it, that's the it, hard part. Yeah. It does appear to block Miranda a little bit. Now, Miranda is a righty, so that already puts him on the small, the, the short side if they wind up platooning him. Mm-hmm. And they're crowded at the corners in general already. So it's just. Tough luck for one of the more promising hitting prospects for this year. Hopefully he still gets a chance. Uh, Roster Resource still has him penciled in uh, on the bench, but we'll we'll see. It looks like he might be blocked now. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, that is kind of sad. And that's one thing that's probably going to be a common theme now that free agency and trades have opened back up is that we're going to talk about certain guys on these episodes and speak about them in terms of like their current role on teams and then guys are going to get traded guys are going to get signed and it's going to mess things up so just keep that in mind bear with us obviously we're going to react as fast as we can to all this stuff well we've um, got position battles and stuff again that's awesome we do which is really really cool so i re- and we're covering outfielders today which is a pretty deep pool of people to pull from so luckily none of these folks should be affected too badly i wouldn't think by a lot of the signings uh still possible but um, I actually have one free agent that I'm that I'm going to be talking about in this episode that I think is worth nabbing at his current ADP. So depending on where he signs, he's going to be more or less valuable. And I actually have a board bet uh, that I want to propose to Schwebzy with 
that particular player and see if he accepts the terms or not. We'll find out. I'm sorry but, to dunk all over this board, but it's going to be so good. All right, before we jump into the actual episode, let's do the usual stuff at the top. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we have a shared account for the podcast. That's at in the deep PL. You can also follow Schwebzy at S-H-W-E-B-S-I on Twitter. His name his namesake Schwebzy. And you can follow me at Bunt Singles. And then if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, it's outfield preview time. So let's start with you, Schwebzy. Let's talk about Kyle Lewis a little bit. Yes, I did. I, so I figure about a week ago, I was not in on Kyle Lewis. And yeah. then it's, you know, the, oh, I, uh, so, you know, somewhere around like the 20th round, pick, uh, pick 300. That's about round 20, right? Sure. In a 15 team, uh, that's exactly 300. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're about the 20th round. I'm struggling at outfield. I only have three outfielders at this point, and I'm looking around pick 300 at the ADP, and uh, I see Kyle Lewis there, and I'm like, wasn't wasn't he the rookie of the year, like, very recently? And yes, he was. And it's like, he won, he, he had a wild debut in 2019, won the rookie of the year in the COVID-shorted season, and then had an underwhelming month of games in 2021 then got hurt and he was out for the year and it seems like everyone has forgotten about him already which feels not right um i drafted him to be my fourth outfielder in tgfbi and i'm really excited about that i feel like there's tremendous value there i think the upside might be a little bit tempered now because what the appeal of him well one of the one of the appeals is that he might be one of those outfielders that chips in 10 stolen bases, 15 stolen bases, but he keeps hurting his knees. So that's a little Mm -hmm. bit more up in the air now. So the declining or or already declined draft stock kind of makes sense for one major reason. And that, that is those knees. He always seems to be hurting his knees. He's 26 and he's already missed huge chunks of two different seasons to knee injuries which is obviously not ideal, especially you know when we're talking about those steals. At the plate, Lewis has the uh, interesting combo. It's a it's a frustrating combo. Of he knows when to lay off. He he doesn't chase much, but he also cannot make contact. It's like <laughs> it's like the it's like the Joey Gallo. It's like a it's like a less extreme Joey Gallo. When he makes contact, though. Kyle Lewis is 29th in all of baseball since entering the league in barrels per batted ball. Now I'm, I, I want you guys to make a note of that phrasing per batted ball. Fun fact, uh, 28th on that list is Ryan Jeffers, who uh, we just found out is about to get a much bigger role. So we're going to, we're definitely going to be talking about him on the, uh, the catcher episode. And 30th is Kyle Higashioka while 31st is Alex Avila. So apparently that is just the range for for a backup catchers to uh, to barrel the ball. Now, before you think that this is now a useless statistic, uh, Pete Alonso and Tyler O'Neill sandwich that group. So it, it is actually a valuable thing for determining who's hitting for power. Um, I, I need to specify that that is per batted ball because of Kyle Lewis's propensity to swing and miss. So because he swings and misses so much, it actually makes his barrel rate look better when you do it per batted ball instead of per pitch. And I have to specify that because if I don't, uh, 
I, I will get yelled at by our friends over at a dugout study hall, specifically Alexander Chase, who gets mad when we use a you know barrel per plate appearance instead of per batted uh, sorry per batted ball instead of you know per plate appearance or or per per pitch. Uh, so yeah, this is the exact sort of player that gets overrated by you know, per, uh, per batted ball statistics. So we need to be wary of that when we're, you know, analyzing them. 2021 specifically saw some interesting developments in Kyle Lewis's plate discipline as pitchers seemed to react to his propensity to swing and miss by throwing the ball in the zone more. And Lewis reacted by swinging more, which we, uh, you know, what the exact thing that you would expect to happen as a result happened as he both walked less and struck out less as he was swinging earlier in the count. Yeah. The added aggression. Right. Yeah. So an interesting thing about Lewis's production through his first three seasons is that a lot of like the levers, the moving parts that get him to an ex-WOBA have changed, but his ex-WOBA has stayed pretty steady. So, you know, like some of the inputs have changed, but the outputs are, are kind of staying uh, steadily good. So that leaves us with a player who, through his first 464 plate appearances in the majors, has 22 home runs, 7 steals, and 114 runs plus RBIs. Looking at that, you can dream and see a 30-10 season with a bunch of counting stats and maybe a 260 batting average. That's not far off from the season that Chris Bryant just had, which left him as the 25th most valuable outfielder, per the uh, Rasball player rater. Considering that he's currently the 83rd outfielder off the board, I would absolutely take that. I'm curious to see what his playing time looks like this year and how soon like J-Rod comes up and everything like that. That's the only thing I worry about with him. Like I, I agree with pretty much everything you said in terms of like what his ceiling looks like. Um, I just, I, I get worried about what his playing time is going to look like long-term. And obviously the health is like you stated up front basically is also the concern. His knees are, have been historically not great so so he's currently penciled in uh, and you know roster resource they they do a fantastic job but we are all working off of limited information at the moment right now they've got kyle lewis penciled in as the dh and jake fraley penciled in as the left fielder we've got some reports from the team that kyle lewis should is healthy to the point where he will be center fielder capable well, once the uh, season starts, which is really encouraging because yeah. uh, that could potentially mean that he runs. But the fact that they have, th- he has three possible outfield spots he could play and the DH spot. Jake Fraley is not going to be a barrier for Kyle Lewis, Kelnick, J Rod. So I, I think he's got some room for like, th- like a promotion can happen and Kyle Lewis will still be safe. Like, I don't think two people are going to take jobs. So I just want to look real quick at where they have. Where do they have? They have Hanniger slotted into right field. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. I'm wondering if they'll rest Hanniger at all, too, and give him the DH spot at any point. And that's well, the thing what, is like, they can kind of like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious again. I mean, obviously, they're, they're an AL team, so they're, fond, they're already familiar with using the DH in whatever way they decide to. Um, but it always like makes me think about how these NL managers now that they have it available to them is how they're going to start using it. That's going to be kind of a big theme, I think, through a lot of our uh, analysis throughout this preseason. Um, but By I think you way. can protect Kyle Lewis with that DH spot as well. 
uh, in yeah. terms of his health, which will be good. So they can shelter him a bit. There, There is no one on that bench who is a better hitter than Kyle Lewis. That is correct. So that is, that he, is he's, by, by a mile. Yeah, it's not even close, unless Taylor Trammell suddenly figures it out. Um, What did you tweet today about Mitch Hanniger? I said he was going to hit 50 tanks. I... I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to begin with that. We we've had discussions about Mitch how many, Hanniger. How many, and how, his, many, how many did he hit last year? He hit thirty nine yeah. in seven hundred plate appearances. That's fine. Uh, we, 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 so I, I think that might be a I think that might be a good topic for our uh, final episode of the uh, preseason of the I, of the uh, off season. Can I say I quite literally saw a single like Twitter video that was like thirty seconds long of Mitch Hanniger taking BP. Not live, not live pitching, just BP, but he was just hitting tater after tater after tater. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to tweet this out. I'm going to throw this into the universe. And you know what? If it hits, I'm going to look really smart. Was it completely serious? Eh, sort of, kind of. I want him to. He's on my TGFBI team. I would love to see it. Um, and I think he does actually have that as his ceiling. And I think he is a good enough hitter to do it. Um, but that's like a 99th, 100th percent uh, outcome for him, probably. So. Um, I th- I think it's within the realm of possibility, though. I do. And that's not the board bet I was trying to make with you, because I'm not talking about Mishaniger, because he, well, he is well outside of our realm. I just want to bait you into making a 50 home run Mishaniger board bet so that I can no. take one easily. No, we only make our board bets on actual in the deep topics. I mean, I, I, will say, I, I mean, I, uh, between like whatever I tweet out into the world is between me and Twitter and God. So like, <laughs> are those not the same thing? Absolutely not. If anything, Twitter is incredibly ungodly. That's fair. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do. I do like Kyle Lewis. And I think the fact that he is listed as a DH and roster resource right now is probably where he spends a decent amount of time. Uh, like you said, there are reports saying that he's healthy enough to play center field, but I think they will rest him often and keep him fresh. Uh, Keep those legs underneath him, which will be really, really good for him. Um, which is arguably yeah. the way the DH should be used. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'd be in on Kyle Lewis at his current ADP. Uh, I think the biggest worry for a lot of people was the health, right? Yes. And I think that's I probably am... what's depressed the ADP so much. And I think, yeah, with where he's at right now, and obviously like a former rookie of the year just literally two years ago, well worth the price there. So, yeah, I dig yeah, that. Yeah, like I... I, I am so psyched to have a potentially healthy Kyle Lewis as my fourth outfielder. That's I, I think that returns unreal value. Yeah. Also, I know you said before that you uh, had to talk about like per plate appearance stats. Otherwise, Alexander Chase would get mad at you. Our yes. good friend from Dugout Study Hall with his uh, co-host, uh, Matt Goodwin. But also, who cares? Because we just uh, housed them in uh, the baseball pods bracket. So <laughs> get wrecked, nerds. <laughs> Anyways. Uh... <laughs> we love you guys we love you guys very much uh thank you for being good sports about that um all right moving on i'm going to talk about my first guy so this is where my board bet's going to come in and i feel like shrubsy's going to snap it up in a heartbeat so wait till the end oh don't 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 read ahead shrubsy i, w- I want to surprise you with it okay, okay. unless you've ar- unless you've already read it then whatever i'm not i'm not your dad you can do what you want i, w- I would never um, read notes ahead of time i thought you were just going to finish that with that i would never read <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, so I'm just going to get that out of the way immediately. Uh, the age is a huge concern for a lot of folks. The aging curve uh, means that he's not going to be as good as what he used to be. He's not going to be stealing a bunch of bags like the days of old. 
And the average very clearly after like what you saw last year, isn't what it used to be, but I'm going to make what I feel is a very like extremely not bold prediction and say that even though he is getting up there in years that, excuse me, uh, that he's still going to be able to out earn his current ADP, which is 362. Um, and that really, I think, I don't think it matters where he signs. I think he's going to be able to eclipse that value. So it's really easy to look at the batting average as a concern because he hit 222 last year. Not great. Not very good at all. Um, and it's a downward trend that's been consistent over the past few years. His average has been dropping steadily, but he only had a 242 BABIP last year. And his batted ball data really wasn't, it didn't drop off that much either. Like, I mean, in terms of like ground ball percentage, fly ball percentage, like everything looked pretty similar. His max exit velo was about the same. His average exit velo was a little bit lower, so he's not hitting the ball as hard as often. Um, but that's a super low BABIP. I don't see that sticking. I think there's going to be at least some positive regression there. Um, kind of paired with that, too, is that his plate discipline numbers stayed elite. Like, he walked over 14% of the time last year, and he's always been pretty good in terms of, like, getting on base uh, in that regard. So I think that the one thing that I wanted to really pin down here is that he hit 27 home runs last year in nearly full time uh and his pull numbers his pull percentage went up to 50 over 50 percent for the first time in his career so when i see something like that my first inclination is that kutch is doing something similar to what joey Votto did not as well as Votto is doing it i don't think but he is selling out for more power by upping that pull percentage um, and something that Schwebzy actually pointed out when we were doing research for this, and I brought McCutcheon up, was that he gets a huge boost from Citizens Bank Ballpark because it's really, really good for righties uh, and the ability to pull for home runs there. So it's going to be dependent on where he signs, uh, how valuable he's going to be in that regard. But I think that selling out for that power, at least in this case, was really, really valuable for him. Um, I don't think think that he's going to be like a 30 plus home run hitter by any means like that but i do think that there is a world in which he hits 25 plus bombs again sees some positive regression in that babip and ends up getting signed getting 150 runs plus rbis hitting for 250 with an obp of 350 with his stellar walk rate so that's kind of like what my general board bet is going to be with Schwab's year i think that mccutcheon signs somewhere i think that he ends up starting for most of the season he's going to play over 125 games He'll hit for over a 250 average with 25 plus homers and 150 plus runs or RBIs. So are 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 we backing away from the direct competition? Because we we talked about a we talked about a direct comparison board bet with your boy Andrew McCutcheon and my boy Sam Hilliard. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll still take that too. You, oh, you, what do you want? Two separate board bets for yeah. for Kutch? All right. Well, well so, no, we can we can just do one. We can do one or the other. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll give you your choice. You can either take the the Hilliard versus McCutcheon. We'll do the usual thing, five by five roto. Um, whoever wins more categories wins. Or you can just do like the straight up what I just said for McCutcheon's production for this year. It's it's no fun to just bet on someone to fail. That's fair. So I I would I, I want to go with our, our original discussion, and we're gonna we're gonna do Sam Hilliard, who uh, I would focus on for this episode, except I've already talked about him a lot. I I feel so. Uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be a direct uh, competition between Andrew McCutcheon and Sam Hilliard. Five category roto. Whoever wins the most categories wins. I feel like I've got a uh, I've got a good start because I think Sam Hilliard should uh, should win those stolen bases pretty easily. But uh, the the everything else is uh, up in the air. So I think that should be a good one. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, I'm down for that. We'll mark that one down. Board bet of Hilliard versus McCutcheon. Uncle Larry could break down and uh, Sam Hilliard could spend a ton of time in Colorado Springs. Either of those things could happen and ruin uh, either side of this board bet. True. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the thing that like kind of gets me there in this is that I do think that Kutch, wherever he ends up, is just going to get more playing time. Yeah. When healthy, he's basically guaranteed playing time, which and you is, cannot say about is, Hilliard. He is always healthy. Like this man has not played less than 144 games in any of the seasons that have been like full seasons for him. So like not counting his rookie year when he came up in like June and then the shortened pandemic season, every other season, like quote unquote full season. um, I think it's 10 out of 11 is what it would be. He's played at least 144 games or more. So he's, he's Uh, really like an iron man. He is not out very much if at all. I don't know why I have it in my head that he's like more broken down than he actually is. Not, he's not at all. That's the thing. I think it's just like the age thing. He is old. He's 35 years old. But I mean, I think he still has it in him to have, like I said, that 250 plus average. It's just a matter of, I think, some nice positive regression with that BABIP is most yeah, of what it comes uh, down you know, to. You know what it is? It's because like we had the two, 2019, he missed a ton of time. And then 2020, no one played a ton of games. Yeah, And then this past year, he missed 20. So I guess I have it in my head from those past few years that he just misses a bunch of games. That recency bias, yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. But yeah, no, so I like uh, I like Kutch a lot. That's pretty much, I mean, I don't have anything else on him. He's not going to be like super flashy or anything like that. But again, like at pick 350 plus, if you're getting 20 home runs and a couple stolen bases out of someone and they can put up a halfway decent average, like that's totally fine with me. And especially like this is more so a roto and like obp league pick too just because of that crazy walk rate so that's a little bit he gets a bump in those leagues for sure um but yeah i do like kutch this year at his uh current adp so the this reminds me of my justin upton pick from last year which Ooh, might that, that might be a good why board bet too that might be why i feel so confident because that justin upton thing went horribly for me last year he was fine when he was healthy but he was not healthy much which webzy this is me we're talking about yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm the golden boy. I, I do not have, have luck in, in these uh, injury-related matters, as evidenced by my TGFBI finish last year. Yeah, that was rough. That was very, very bad. And I still feel very bad for you about that, because your team on paper at the start of last year was so dumb. It was so good. I, I, am, I am the real life. I, I am <laughs> real life. I am the fantasy baseball uh, embodiment of my favorite team, because the Mets tend to be good on paper every year. Does anyone remember Bad Luck Brian? Does anyone remember that meme? <laughs> like at the beginning of memes? That's that's Trebsy. At the advent of memes. The genesis of memes. <laughs> the Phil Collins of memes. All right. Uh, yeah. With that, let's step away for a quick break and we re- we'll be right back. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. Okay, Schwozy, let's talk about your second deep dive that you wanted to do here. We got Brandon Nimmo up next. So, Brandon Nimmo, I am. This is the first time I've ever been happy that people are underrating Brandon Nimmo because it means <laughs> I actually get to talk about him on In the Deep, which I usually don't get to do. And I love talking about Brandon Nimmo. Love it. He's oh, a folks, he am- does. He's been among my favorite Mets since he debuted a few uh five years ago now and it seems like he's been underrated the entire time and it drives me insane in general nimmo is a better real life player than fantasy player there are plenty of scenarios where he puts up like four to five war and fantasy players are just totally nonplussed by the season he puts up and i can say that confidently because he's, he's already done exactly that like twice now in his career last season Nimmo had one of the best seasons that you didn't hear about at all. And I bet if you took a look at his savant page, you'd be shocked at the amount of red you see. A lot of that is centered around non-fantasy stuff, like taking pitches, defense, X stats. But the point is that Nimmo is very good at baseball. He's very skilled. And he's got tools that you might not expect when looking at his numbers. Nimmo is among the top players for me personally that I just wish would embrace the fly ball revolution and just hit the ball in the air every once in a while because he has power. If he could unlock some of the potential power there that he has given his exit velos, like it would just completely dramatically change his game because he has the ability to seek out hittable pitches as evidenced by his plate discipline. But what we wind up having because of what he does is a player who is less than the sum of his parts for fantasy. He's got power, but doesn't hit dingers. He has speed, but doesn't steal bases, has a great OP, OBP, but doesn't score runs. Thanks, Mets. Um, I like to think of Nemo as a high floor lottery ticket. We know that at worst, he's going to get on base a ton. So, uh, you know, OBP league people, He's extra valuable there, but if you're an OBP league person, you already know about Brandon Nimmo. Uh, We know that he's going to put the bat on the ball. He should also score runs given those other things. I don't when when I'm doing like my own mental projections, I don't like to factor in LOL Mets into my projections. (laughs) So in 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 theory, he's going to continue to get on base, and they should drive him in. We should have someone who's very good to elite in two categories that are not the easiest to find, which are batting average and runs. 
he's better than people think, I believe, in batting average. Like, people focus on the OBP because he walks so much, but he's actually a, a nice batting average asset also with a better than average with percentage while also never chasing. So, you know, on, on top of the walks, he also puts the bat on the ball. Mm-hmm. So you you might be thinking, really funny, Schwebzy. You've just spent like 10 minutes explaining why we shouldn't want Brandon Nemo in fantasy. The key for me here is the tools. Brandon Nemo has everything you'd want in a potential breakout candidate. There are like a handful of things that if any one of them happened, he would suddenly be fantasy gold. If he started elevating, if he decided to steal more, if the Mets realize that you're supposed to drive in base runners when they're standing on that square pillow looking thing, uh... I think Nimmo could wind up never having that one monster season that he's so capable of, but the talent is there and there's enough floor here that I'm more than willing to keep betting on him to reach that ceiling. And you might not necessarily profit from it, but you're not going to be, you're, I don't think you're ever going to be mad that you're rostering Nimmo. Let, let's, let's not forget about something about Schwebsy. Let's not oh, forget. No. Let's not let's oh, not forget no. that his sprint speed is only so good because they measure his time from home to first on a walk. <laughs> that man runs Dude. faster than anyone I've ever seen on a walk. It's so dumb yet endearing. It's it really is. Like it it, it is very endearing in a way. Like that's you, that's, that's, you, a, that's a that's a working man. That's an everyman type player right there. What do you what do you think his uh sprint also, speed? Also, I got to say I really, is. uh his sprint speed's probably like 92nd or something like that. That is actually exactly right. Yeah, baby, let's go. Also, I get, I really relate to him uh, as someone who has a lot of skills but doesn't like hit their potential. Maybe, maybe that's why I like him. Brand, Brandon Nimmo is the gift, the gifted kid of uh, <laughs> uh, 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 of the Mets. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's like I I will simply coast by getting on base all the time and not taking advantage of any of my other skills. Uh. But uh, uh, paired with that 92 percentile, 92nd percentile sprint speed is an 80th percentile max exit velo. And yet he had eight home runs and five stolen bases in half a year last year. Does he just it's he like, prob- well, does he just not lift the ball as a thing? Like that's it, it, that's probably a part of it, I would assume. I haven't looked at his yeah. page at all, but I just assume that his launch angle, like average launch angle is probably not excellent. So last year was his worst career barrel percentage. And. Mm. I am uh, not smart enough to know the stickiness of barrel percentage from year to year, but he's generally more around 7%. So we could see better power numbers from him last year just based on his barrel percentage coming back towards where his career numbers are. Okay. Like he uh like I I would be completely unsurprised if Brandon Nimmo just some year some random year put up like a 30 home run 15 stolen base season i wouldn't put i wouldn't like put the odds on that very high like i wouldn't put money on that but like he's got the tools to do it yeah so i'm saying like obviously you you actually picked two people to talk about that at least according to the adp data that i pulled um are right next to each other you picked kyle lewis and brandon Nimmo. which one of them would you rather have that's my question for you man i'm a huge homer you know, you know which one I, I'd rather. I, I do know, and I think you're wrong. Just due to counting stats, I think that Kyle Lewis has probably got a higher ceiling than Brandon See, that's, Nimmo does. That's and interesting because I think I think I think, I think, Nim- is, I think Nimmo's got the higher floor. I will say that. I think that that's funny because I think the ceiling the, is higher. 
I think it's the opposite because I think Brandon Nimmo has better skills than Kyle Lewis does. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think he's got the higher ceiling, but Kyle Lewis is more likely to have the better fantasy season. God, this is going to be interesting to watch. This is going to be like a little thing that I'm going to actually, I'm going to make a note to myself so that way I can like pay attention, like check at the end of the year to see what their years look like next to each other. Cause I feel like just like by, just by just going completely off of feel, I feel like Kyle Lewis health in mind, obviously, uh, if he does stay healthy, I think that if they both have a full season, I think that like nine times out of 10, Kyle Lewis is going to outproduce Brandon Nimmo. Um, Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Cause I like, if Nimmo hits like 290 with 15 home runs and 10 stolen bases or whatever, and Lewis hits, I don't know, 25 or 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases and hits 250. Like, yeah, Lewis was definitely better, but well, it's like trading one thing for another too. Like depending on what your team need is right. It just, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of taste and like what your team actually uh, requires to be good. Um, Yeah. And I I also, uh, I, I didn't bring up Nimmo's, similar injury history he's he's similarly frequently injured like kyle lewis but nimmo's injuries are more of the uh here and there variety than just constant injuries to the same body parts like last year Mm -hmm. was his hip which had never previously been an issue for him so i I mean he's like a scuffed byron buxton is what you're saying (laughs) yeah that's exactly it really that's that's kind of what it comes down to you feel like brandon nimmo is a scuffed byron buxton that if you actually stay on the field and hit his potential maybe you could put up a good year okay if if byron buxton had nimmo's play discipline he would be the best player in the world He'd be dang Uh, close he'd be close that's interesting the dead silence it's like, one of the like it's one of those fun thought experiments uh, like that you see on Twitter every now and then. It's like if you could give one player one other player's skill, like what would you do? Yeah, did and you see I the think, smoke pouring out of my ears when you said that? Like, <laughs> I, I I wasn't looking at your video at the time, but I heard the the very very pregnant pause. It was incredibly pregnant, so pregnant that was triplets. <laughs> that was triplets. Um, dot dot dot. <laughs> I, and I, I wasn't sure if it was because you, you thought what I said was interesting or just the dumbest thing you've ever heard. I mean, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's not, no, it really actually wasn't the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've, I mean, Schwebzy, I'm on Twitter. I, I've seen some pretty dumb things in my life. That uh, isn't even come of, close. Speaking of column A, he just signed with the Rockies. And, uh, oh, there's a new closer. <laughs> there was someone that people should expect on. I guess P- I got to see if he's available. Yeah, potential closer spec there. There you go. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's the thing. Oh, I, see, I am not on Twitter currently during the middle of the episode because I know that I'm going to get way too distracted oh, no. way it, too easily. It happened right before. It happened, it oh, happened it did. right okay. before. Nice. I am not actively on Twitter right now. This like, is the one hour the one hour of the week that I am not currently on Twitter. That's fair. We all need to not be poisoning our brains every once in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about my last deep dive here. So you know how I like talked about Andrew McCutcheon. I think, oh yeah, he's a veteran. He's going to sign somewhere. He's super reliable. He's going to play a whole bunch of games. I'm going to do the exact opposite here. It's, I mean, this, this is, this is literally the exact opposite end of the spectrum. I can't go any further away from Andrew McCutcheon here. So you're going to go from a veteran to someone more green, incredibly green, incredibly Riley green. Very good joke. Schwebs. Would you, would you, do, do you want me to clap? Would you like it if I would clap? Please, please, please clap. No, I refuse. Okay, Jeb. Uh, anyways, uh, so I'm contradicting everything I said about Andrew McCutcheon, and I want to take a risk with a young guy like Riley Green. But 
is it really that much of a risk? I don't think it actually is. Uh, I think the biggest risk that's going to be involved is when is he actually going to be part of the big league club with the Tigers? Um, he tore things up like crazy last year. He, he had like 24 home runs and 16 stolen bases combined between double A and triple A. It was like 550 plate appearances or something like that. And he had an average of over 301 combined. Uh, so beyond that, his walk rate only got better after he went to triple A from double A. So he had an 11% walk rate in double A and then it went to 11.9% triple A. So his like eye at the plate is pretty darn good. So I think I would be remiss talking about Riley Green if I didn't point out that our wonderful former podcast manager and writer for Bless You Boys and Prospects Live and and uh, whatever other places he may write for. I don't does does Hooth write for other places? Beyond uh, that? He's, he's he's everywhere. He's all over the place. He he's fantastic. And so, c- completely unbiased when it comes to Riley Green. Damn it, Hooth, stop working at so many different places so I can figure out where you actually write. Um, but yes, our friend Trevor Hooth uh wrote at length for Bless You Boys. Uh, which is the SB Nation uh, Detroit Tigers little subsect there, um, and whose influence is kind of what left me so enamored with rostering Green this year. So that's kind of why I'm des- kind of like regretting not taking him in TGFBI when he fell well past his ADP. Um, so Huth wrote about him at length, like I said, and I'll actually I'll link the show in the show notes the article that he wrote. It's free on Bless You Boys, but um, Green's really really good eye at the plate like i said he had that almost 12 percent walk rate in triple a it's aided by the fact that he actually has some of the fastest hands that you'll find in the minors maybe in the entire minors um who said that green's hands were the second fastest he's ever seen and that's only trailing wander franco which is pretty high praise i would say um and i watched some highlights while i was writing him up and i can't say i disagree it's pretty nuts how well he adjusts to so many different types of pitches so that's the thing it's like it's whether it's him compensating for when he does make a poor swing decision and swings at a bad pitch, or he just needs to like get the barrel to the ball when it is in the zone, his hands are able to compensate and give him a little bit of a buffer in that regard, which is fantastic. So I will say there is a lot to love about green again. Like he had 24 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Fantastic. Last year, I need to cover some of the downsides. He's probably going to start the season in triple a still this year. I don't think he, in all likelihood ends up breaking camp with the big league squad, unless he has an absolutely insane spring training. Um, and at this point in the draft, I'm usually looking for someone more like Kutch, who I think is going to have a guaranteed role with the big league club and is going to be able to provide that volume, especially early in the season. I'd rather just fight for someone like this during fab, um, unless they fall way, way, way past their ADP. This is actually going to be a really good test case for the new rules that have been put in place. Because in theory, if Riley Green starts with the club on opening day, he stands a very good chance of being, you know, rookie of the year contender. Yeah, which in theory would, you know, mean more money for him, more draft picks for the Tigers. True. So, I mean, if they don't start him in the majors, then that's going to be a really, really early sign that the measures that they put into place in the CBA are not going to work. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if that happens or not. And again, I think it's very dependent on how he performs in spring training. Like if he's good, then yes, maybe it might happen. If he's like middling to not great, he'll start in AAA again. And there's also like the risk that, okay, you just spent a draft pick, whether it's like, and if you're in a deeper league, 300 is still like a, a reasonable draft pick that you're going to be hoping to use that person, uh, at least as a stopgap measure, or maybe even as like a fifth outfielder. I know like some folks were drafting their fifth outfielder 
in that uh, 20th round slot. Um, if he scuffles, he's going to marinate longer and longer and longer in AAA, and you're just going to be sitting there burning a hole in your bench. So you don't want to do that either. So again, I think that his current ADP is, uh, let me look here quick, 303. I don't know if I'm comfortable spending a draft pick at that point to get him. Again, I think I'm more comfortable if he like falls to like post 350, then maybe I'd be a bit more comfortable taking him, like around 23, 24 of a 15-teamer. Um, but yeah, so also something that I do want to point out as well is that he did, yeah, he had 16 stolen bases last year, but I think that upside is a bit misleading, and I think it's more so just he's a smart base runner, and also he knows when to pick his spots, and he is a good enough athlete that he's able to kind of like read those situations and find the holes where he can actually steal a base. Um, I think realistically in the majors, he's probably going to be closer to a 10-ish to 12-ish steal talent. And then as he gets older and slows down, that number is going to tick down considerably. I think he'll probably be like a five stolen base type player. Um, best case scenario is that, again, he breaks camp with the Tigers squad and gives them no choice but to bring him along for the ride right away in the major leagues. Becomes a regular contributor and pushes Akil Badu from left field to center. He starts playing in left field and then Victor Reyes gets sent to the bench. Um, and then he accumulates somewhere between like 500 to 550 plate appearances, gets around like, I don't know, like 100, 110 runs plus RBIs while chipping in a few steals and home runs. Um, do I think that's likely? Probably not. But I think it's worth monitoring. And I think that in terms of the folks who are like imminently going to be ready for the majors, he's probably one of the ones that I'm going to keep an eye on the most and watch the news to see when he's going to be called up. Love it. Uh I think I'm I'm kind of with you there in that. So you figure five, in a five outfielder league, if you're in if you're five outfield fifteen teams, then you're in the twentieth round. Uh, you're talking about him being like a fourth or fifth outfielder or third outfielder even. That means you've used like a quarter of your picks on outfielders already. Like uh, I I I don't think I wind up with Riley Green because I don't want my third or fourth outfielder to just be that much of a question mark. If I'm drafting a rookie that I'm not sure if he's going to start the season with the team, I want that to be at a draft spot that I'm comfortable cutting him like on opening day if I need yeah. to. So uh, this is this is one of those things where like I absolutely understand why someone would, but it just wouldn't be me. I think he's being overdrafted. I think he's being drafted too high. Like he's still post 300, and we're able to talk about him, which is nice. But I think he's more like a probably between like 360 to 380 type pick maybe even closer to 400. It's just like, I, again, I, I went kind of, I was less risk averse last year. This year I'm being much, much safer in my targets later in drafts. Cause especially early in the season, I want people who are actually going to play. You can chase the people that are getting called up off the waiver wire, but you don't want someone just like sucking away a bench spot when you could have someone there. That's actually going to be able to like provide value at some point. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of just like waiting and waiting and waiting for someone that may not even get called up this year for all we know. So um, hard to say, but I I would, if he fell far enough, I would take Bradley Green as like my, probably like my sixth outfielder as a speculative thing if he fell far enough. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. All right, cool. All right. So those are our deep dives. Let's do some honorable mentions and we're going to do it similar to what we did Kind of like last year during the season, we were doing stuff by category. 
which I think is really right. good. We're also going to mention a few folks that we already talked about uh, that we want to bring up here because they're also outfield eligible. Um, so starting with the Giants love, we've got Darren Ruff and Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, Schwabs, do you want to talk about them at of all? Of course. Oh, I think we've said plenty with yeah. Darren Ruff. We're hoping for a you know decent batting average and uh, nice counting stats, a few dingers. He's being drafted around 417. Lamont Wade Jr. quite a bit higher at 307. So he's actually uh, competing with those guys like uh, Nimmo and Kyle Lewis. Jordan, would you rather have Kyle Lewis or Lamont Wade Jr.? Lamont Wade Jr. Don't don't ask don't ask dumb questions, Schwebsey. <laughs> I'm never gonna I'm never gonna abandon my boy. Strong strong disagreement there for me. I'd, I w- I would rather have Kyle Lewis, but uh, that's fine. An- another. Hey, okay. You can you can hey, be wrong. Hey, it's hey, fine. Tom, you can hey, Tom, be wrong. Hey, Tom, hey, Tom, hey, Tom, is Kyle Lewis eligible at first base? I think so. It's true. That's very All right. true. All right. Dual position eligibility is valuable in 15 team leagues. Fair. Good but. point. Uh, and the other guy uh, who I, I feel like I bring up constantly is Yoshi Satsugo, who is being yes. drafted around 362 and I think will be a good source of home runs and RBI. Also a nice on-base percentage league target. But uh, th- this was a tough list to pare down because I, you know, to prepare for these, I, I grab every name from outfielders after 300 that I'm at least mildly interested in. And like lopping off a lot of names was difficult this week because there's so many interesting outfield targets. That's partially because of multi-position guys, partially just because, you know, there's more outfielders than any other position. So there's a lot more interesting guys late in the draft. But yeah, we we're going to go through uh, category by category. So if you're looking for a fourth or fifth outfielder and you're gunning for a specific category, hopefully uh, we, we can help you out there. So uh, I guess we'll start with average and OBP. Yeah, let's do that. So you wanted to talk about Luis Arias very briefly. We talked about him actually on the last episode very briefly as well, because he is like multi-position eligible too. second base, third base outfield, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Arias is one of those guys who just he, he kind of is who he is. We know you, you know what you're getting with Arias, and that is low walk rates, low strikeout rates, putting the bat on the ball and doing basically nothing else. And to, here's a question. With the news that we got today with IKF going to Minnesota, does that hurt Arias's playing time? Mm. No, I don't think so. No? No. I don't think so. I, I don't I don't know how it pushes him out like out of any positions or anything like that cuz who is their who is their shortstop going to be? IKF, I assume. No, I mean before they acquired IKF. Would it have been Polanco? Mm, would Polanco would have played Polanco, short I and guess? then Arias With, played uh, second base or who would have played second base? That makes sense, I think. They've currently got Arias slotted in as the DH. Yeah. Which in in theory make means he would be the first bat to head to the bench. Like, for example, for Jose Miranda. Potentially, yes. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it hurts him that much. I think, the, again, the ability to play multiple positions and, I mean, the high average. I think that he's always going to kind of be around it in there. I wouldn't expect him not to be. Yeah, I, th- this is a, a surprisingly, like, dense lineup now. And I, I use the term dense like it's it's seems like it'll be hard to break into and that's kind of why i'm upset about miranda yeah but uh i digress 
uh other than Arias, i i am also obligated by my homerism to talk about jeff mcneil who uh, actually when when the chris bassett trade happened today i was so sure that it was going to be mcneil heading to oakland just because it felt right that he would be like the spiritual successor to jed lowry <laughs> to fl- flounder for a year in new york and then go to oakland and you know return to his career ranks yeah but turn turns out it was a couple of pitching prospects instead but so jeff mcneil still a met still hopefully the second baseman most of the time i'm expecting a bounce back here it was really not long ago that jeff mcneil was an all-star he's better than he showed last season uh we there was actually just a really good article recently on i believe i think i think it was baseball prospectus where uh Oh man, I I really shouldn't have brought this up without knowing all the information. But uh, someone wrote about Jeff McNeil and the reasons for his struggles last year, and it was largely because of him not being able to handle the inside fastball. It was uh, Robert Orr, who is a, a new contributor to Baseball Prospectus. He's done some really good stuff already. And... Maybe that's an adjustment that pitchers made that McNeil's not going to be capable of overcoming, but I, I tend to think that he's a good enough hitter that he'll be able to figure it out. You know, baseball's all about adjustments. There's also the chance that he does get traded away. If he had gone from New York to Oakland, I probably would have been unhappy as from a fantasy perspective because that's just one cavernous ballpark to another. But there's a there's a, if he gets traded to, like, say... I don't know, Cincinnati and a Tyler Malley deal or something, because that was a rumor before Bassett happened. I would love to see what McNeil could do in Great American Ballpark. But yeah, uh, McNeil, before this past year, his claim to fame was he had something like a 311 career batting average coming into 2021, and I don't think those skills have just suddenly all disappeared. So I'm, I'm big on McNeil as a batting average anchor target late in drafts. So my question is, like I'm, I'm maybe not interested in McNeil this year, but like, I think maybe next year after they ban the shift, so that way he doesn't get in arguments with teammates. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say so that he hit the ball better, but no, there's there no. is that too. No, there's absolutely no, that. Too. Not at all. I wasn't gonna miss the chance to make a joke. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm medium on McNeil. Uh, if he's not on the Mets, I'm curious where he ends up. I guess, like, again, like you said, it's the ballpark thing for me. Like, it could be good or bad for him. I don't know what's going to happen exactly. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and then we got one more here for average and OBP, and that's Garrett Cooper. You want to talk to this one as well, Schwebs, so take it away. I, I actually had Garrett Cooper listed in, like, three different categories here because I think other than stolen bases, he's just going to be an all-around uh, offensive producer i think he will be a decent source of batting average home runs runs rbi yeah but i was surprised looking at his profile how consistent he's been at actually producing like a good batting average so since the year 2019 he has a 282 batting average which i don't think a lot of people would guess and he pairs that with an 820 ops so there's you know there's both on base skills and power there so he's in the last three years, he's got 804 plate appearances, which you figure is like about, uh, I don't know, a season and a quarter, a season and a third. And he's put up 30 home runs, 102 
uh, sorry, 205 runs plus RBI and that 282 batting average. And that is more than good enough of a bat for deep leagues. That'll that's play. like, yeah, like that'll play in any sort of deep league. So I, I actually picked up Garrett Cooper as a late draft pick in my uh, TGFBI league, my TGFBI draft. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm betting on him to hopefully for once stay healthy. He's another one where his draft stock is being held way down because of uh, an injury history. Facts, facts. Um, yeah, I really like Cooper. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be pretty great, I would assume. And I think that's a, like, what round did you get Cooper in? Do you know offhand? I got Cooper in. I got him at pick 388. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, yes. that is actually that is actually close to his minimum pick. I didn't quite set it, but like his minimum pick is 355. So I clearly I'm a big believer. I, I think Garrett Cooper is is worth that. Oh, 388 is probably what like pick uh, in like the 25th round, something like that. Uh, math, 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 math is hard. 20, the 24th or 25th round. Yeah. So I, I'm a believer. I, I think he's well worth reaching a little bit because if healthy, his bat will play. That's that's really the 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 entire uh, summary of him. Actually, I lied. 388 would be the 26th round. Sure. But yes, late. Regardless, doesn't matter. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to do math in my head on the podcast. Great content. Good job, Jordan. Anyways, uh, let's move to home runs. We should, we should invest in a calculator. No, dude, you got me. It's fine. <laughs> it's way more interesting to listen to me do math in a calculator. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, someone that we brought up previously uh, on the podcast earlier today, uh, Sam Hilliard. Schwebzy. My Once boy. Again, yeah, boy. Uh, the, the, there's 30 home run, 15 stolen base talent here. And I, I will, and a, I will and, die on that hill. And a really bad batting average, like a really, really bad it's, batting yes. average. Like it will, bad, it will, like so bad. He might strike out forty percent of the time. It's but, mm. uh, no, like even even when he was like scorching hot last season, it was still a, a strikeout rate over thirty percent. So the the whiff issues will always be there. But there is so there are so many tools in in this uh, toolbox. It is unreal and. If he actually gets to play for 500, 600 plate appearances, I expect a large number of dongs and uh, enough stolen bases to make a difference. But yeah, we're talking specifically about home runs here. And as far as like raw power, Sam Hilliard is my favorite archetype of ball player in that he is a big boy and hits the ball real far. As he does. Uh, As always, we always like to bring up when we talk about him, Schwabzi and I both, the spray chart from earlier last year where it was just three absolute tanks, just just nukes straight down the right field line. He, he, he was hitting like 110 at the time, and like all three of his hits were just absolute laser beam home runs just, way past the foul pole. Just goofy, just absolutely goofy stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm not interested particularly in him unless you can really, really, really offset that batting average suck. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. Um, but well, he, he is also at 441, which is significantly yes. past guys like, you know, Kyle Lewis, Lamont Wade. Yes, exactly. I will say like for the, for the, uh, ADP, gosh, I couldn't think of that for a second. Um, I think that if he hits tw- like even 20 home runs and steals like eight or nine bags, that's a really, really good value. 
for pick yes. 383 or 388 or whatever is, it is this is a, this is another one like his minimum pick since the beginning of february is 261 so someone out there believes in him even more than i do uh his adp is 441 i picked him at 333 so i'm i am definitely a believer here dang yeah that's a reach that's a reach of all yeah. reaches you gotta I, get I your guys for... you have to get your guys yes i i, well, I was i I mean, just for some context, I was struggling in, in at the outfield, uh, which is why I got both Hilliard and Cooper uh, earlier than their ADP would suggest, because they're my guys. I had to lock them down, and I needed those outfield spots full. True. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then one more for home runs. We got Chad Pinder you want to talk about. Yeah, this one, this one might be a little bit more out of left field, so to speak. Chad Pinder is definitely not on anyone's list of, like, you know, sluggers to watch out for, but the dude just barrels the ball. He had a 16.3% barrel per batted ball last year. And that he paired that with a 54.2 hard hit rate. And if that sounds high, it's because it is, it's really, really high. It's stupid high. It's stupid high. And this isn't like Kyle Lewis where he's swinging and missing a ton so that his per batted ball stuff just looks artificially high. It's like he came by this in a legitimate fashion. He's just, he's, so Oakland seems to be selling uh, based on the Bassett trade today and the rumors that Olsen and Chapman are next out the door. So it there, there very well might be a big opportunity and a lot of plate appearances available for Chad Pinder. And he's being drafted at 625 right now. I bet anything that that will go up as the pre, as the offseason goes along and more and uh, the lineup uh, comes more into focus. But yeah, uh, the dude just he barrels the ball. Uh, that's really that's uh, I can't really say much more about it. It's uh, he it's definitely more speculative. He hasn't really shown much in his career to show that the actual production will follow consistently. But I mean, there's very little that portends future prediction, future production better than a really strong barrel rate. That's the tweet. (laughs) There it is. All right, uh, let's go to stolen bases. This is going to be my little spiel that I'm going to throw in here. So uh, we're going to start with Jorge Mateo. I hyped up Jorge, Jorge Mateo. Gosh, I can't even say his name. At the end of the year last year, if you were looking for stolen bases off the wire, I was looking at him again. I don't necessarily recommend rostering him off the bat. Like you should have already solved your stolen base problem with your draft, like way, way, way earlier in my opinion. Um, But again, if you feel like you've underdrafted them, this is the place that you can look. The only downside here, well, not the only downside um, is that he's, he's a weak side platoon bat right now. He's probably not going to be playing that much. So you would have to probably focus on him less so in weekly leagues and more so in like daily lineup leagues where you know he's actually going to be getting that playing time. So I would say keep an eye on uh, future pitcher matchups if you want to roster Jorge Mateo and get some steals out of him. Um, the speed's definitely there. He's 80 grade 80 speed, like one of the fastest people in the league, not even close. Um, but he's got to actually be on the field for it to be worth anything. So I would say that is probably the biggest thing with Jorge Mateo. Uh, Moving on from there, I would say Lorenzo Cain is another one I want to talk about. Here's my chance to be a homer very briefly. I love Lorenzo Cain, mostly because he plays amazing defense, and I love watching him play. Um, And he's going to start most days in center field, but the health and age are very clearly a concern. He's been hurt quite a bit over the past few years. Um, I'm interested. 
<clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I'm interested to see how Council deploys the DH now that he has the access to it, and if he's going to be using that to like rest guys like Kane and Yelich, so that way Yelich can take care of his back. Kane, if he gets bumped and bruised, can kind of take care of some of his stuff as well, um, and then slot him into that DH spot. It's hard to say because there might just be better options on that Brewers bench and might just be better just to rest him, uh, him being Kane, but it's hard to say. But he still can steal bases. He stole, I can't remember how many it was last year. It was like 13 bases and only like 350 plate appearances or something like that or 400 plate appearances, I want to say. Uh, so definitely still can uh, motor around. So I would definitely be interested in Lorenzo Kane and his current ADP if you need the stolen bases. Um see who else do we have here did you want to talk about vidal brujan at all i know you threw this name on the list so brujan is kind of a popular pick for uh for stolen bases because it's but he's more of a speculative play than anything that you can actually bet on yeah and this is i i I actually like to defer to our a recent guest of ours on the podcast yancey eaton who is a very big tampa bay rays fan uh, for a friend, a very good friend of the podcast. So what he told us a- about his beloved Rays was that when they show you something, you should believe them. And they have not been very willing to give Bruhan a- an extensive run yet. Will that continue? Maybe not. But so far, it does not appear that they believe in their own prospect. And Bruhan was a pretty highly regarded prospect. And if he doesn't get opportunities, he's not going to get steals. So he's at 366, right next to Manuel Margot. I was just going to point I, that out too. I would rather have Margot. I'd, yeah, I'd probably rather have Margot. More more consistent playing time for sure, especially early in the season. Again, like these folks that you you know aren't, they're either going to be riding the pine to begin the season or they're just not going to be with the big league squad. Like I really don't think, there's like very few instances where I'm taking a risk. Like the only person, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that because I took Bobby Witt Jr. as my shortstop in TGFBI. Uh, there is still a chance that he starts in AAA to begin the year. Like that's still a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but any of these guys that are like, they just have very, very little exposure in the majors or just haven't even really debuted yet officially. Cause like Bruhan had like 26 plate appearances. I think it was something like that last year. It wasn't many, yeah. not many for someone who was supposed to be ready. Yes, exactly. So I'd probably steer clear of Bruhan. Uh, maybe keep an eye on him off the wire later on in the season. But um, yeah. All right. Okay. So the last one that I want to talk about for stolen bases here is Tyler Wade. So this is the most intriguing and the most attractive option to me if you need stolen bases late in the draft. So I actually have to look again because I didn't write down his, because I'm a dingus. I did not write down his ADP. Currently 494. Sorry, 495, 494.98 if you want to get really, really specific. Um, Tyler Wade is slated to be a strong side platoon bat for the Angels. He's three position eligible, and he had 17 steals and 145 plate appearances last year. If you extrapolate that out just to like half a season, like 300 plate appearances, that's 34 stolen bases. We're talking, we're talking like Adalberto Mondesi levels of stolen bases. Out of a guy who, I mean, he put up like a really decent average too. Like if I remember right, he hit like 270 last year. 268, yeah. So, I mean, 
there's a lot to like about Tyler Wade. Obviously, you have to play the matchups, and you have to make sure that you're going to be able to get those stats out of him. So if you're in a weekly league, be careful. Be wary of what the pitching matchups are. But if you're in a daily league and you can slot him in and you really need stolen bases, Tyler Wade seems like a good bench stash that you can stream as a hitter. So I like him a lot. Nice. So quick quick uh, Vidal Bruhan trivia here. Oh, yes. He had 26 plate appearances last year. I was right. Nice. How much war do you think he had in that time? Do you have negative 26, war? Tw- 26 plate appearances, which uh, that that's like, what, seven games? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, um, roughly. He play, it, actually played in 10, but yeah. Is it a negative number? It oh, sure is. Sure is. Is it negative 0.4? Negative 0.5. Oh, I was so close. Oh, I was like, you figure oh, it. You, extrapolate that out that's worth a negative eight win season over 160 games <laughs> which obviously would not actually happen but yeah he was really rough in his hey, uh limited time never say never i'm not wishing for anyone never. to do poorly but never say never um yeah yeah don't draft i, I don't think fidel brian is worth drafting yeah it's not a risk i'm taking this yeah. season again waiver wire that's the only time i'm going to be interested in fidel brian but yeah, okay, let's see. We've got, what, we got runs and RBIs left, right? Yeah, okay. So yeah. let's do... Oh, we're going to be pretty brief here. Yeah, we just got one for each of these, so we got runs. Um, Willie Calhoun for runs. So this is kind of a speculative one for me. Roster Resource currently has Willie Calhoun leading off for the Rangers and hitting ahead of Marcus Sebian, uh, Corey Seager, Adelise Garcia, Nathan, uh, Nathaniel Lowe, and then uh, I, I have... Oh, Calhoun, because I'm like, why did I write Calhoun Cole twice? Calhoun. Because they have Cole Hal Calhoun also. Uh, so, I mean, that's not exactly a murderer's row, but that's a that's two stars and then a few other capable hitters. So if Calhoun does, in fact, lead off and get on base at a decent clip, he could be an underrated source of runs. Yeah, I dig that. I mean, Willie Calhoun was someone that I speculated on. I think it was going into the... Cause he had a good year in 2019, I think it was, like just average wise and like just counting sets, he was okay. And I was hoping that he would be a good, just like sneaky bat that I could nab for pretty, pretty cheap in my auto new leagues, was where I was targeting yeah. him. Um, I was kind of on him last year, yeah. It was not great. 2020, well, even, you know, yeah, great. he was hurt again. Yeah, he was hurt again, which is the hard part. So the health is a, a question, but yeah, I mean, just the folks that he has behind him in that order are pretty dang good, especially the ones that are imminently behind him. Cause those are the ones that matter most, right? Yes. Yeah. So having both Semyon and Seager right behind him in the order is going to provide value in and of itself. We talk about like three different things here. What is it? Uh, opportunity, the offense that you're surrounded by. And then what was, what was our third? Oh, Oh gosh. I've forgotten our own saying. Oh, Oh gosh. Is the third one. Oh geez. Uh, that's what the third one is anyways. Uh, but yeah, I like Willie Calhoun. I think that's a good choice for runs. Uh, what is his ADP right now? You know offhand? I am not looking at it. Let's see. But, oh, four four thirty seven. Oh yeah, that's great. Absolutely. And he actually got he got taken in my uh my TGFBI draft at three seventeen. Not mm. by me, but so, so someone else out there is a believer. There you go. Someone's got their eye out. All right, perfect. And he is he is like the inverse of the big boy hit ball far in that he is a small bowling ball that hit ball far. He is. He can hit the ball very two hundred. Yes. He's a tank. He's great. I love him. Um, and then lastly, let's talk about RBIs quick here. Again, one more name. That's all it's going to be. It's just Randall Grichuk. Uh, so 
going to be starting in right field. He's not going to be in a platoon or anything like that as far as we're aware of. Uh, is hitting sixth, which is not the best lineup spot, but again, the lineup in front of him is George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Tiasca Hernandez, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all who are fantastic, fantastic, fantastic hitters. Just, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be goofy. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to drive runs in, I would assume, and honestly, like that's going to be the, to me at least far and away, the most formidable offense, especially now being back in the Rogers Center for half their games is going to be it's going to be goofy um so i'm pretty excited for that and i got randall gritchuk as one of my outfielders he's like a fifth slash sixth outfielder i can kind of like rotate him in uh in my tgfbi league so i'm excited about that um but yeah so uh, on a on a related note and this is definitely a tangent and i i love going on a tangent an hour into recording oh heck yeah i i have frequently heard the roger center being cited as a negative against vlad guerrero jr and it blows my mind like where where has everyone i i've seen it on twitter and i even i wouldn't i i like this is actual like you know relevant like fantasy experts saying things like this and i i wouldn't name drop even if i could remember the names but like do people not remember what it's like at the rogers center like i understand that vlad had an underwhelming stretch of dingers last year in the second half once they came back to the Rogers Center but that's not because of the the stadium like the stadium is a great place to hit home runs has been for years and I can't imagine that that is a you know that is a barrier that Vlad Guerrero Jr. cannot deal with he's gonna hit dingers guys he's still safe to draft in the first round I wonder if it's I'm I'm done hmm, I wonder if it's a batter's eye thing kind of like the trap like with how Willie Adamas said that he couldn't see the ball super well in the trap maybe but i mean I, I i doubt that would only impact him hmm. yeah with the with the yeah. trap we hear about it for multiple people yeah it'll be interesting to see because we'll i mean they were playing on basically what amounted to like a minor league field um and he had a lot of home runs partially because of that too but yeah we'll see i think he'll be i, I think he'll be fine i'm not worried about it personally but it'll yeah, be interesting sorry. to see how things progress that, that was just like my my very brief like peter griffin you know what grinds my gears god do it do it do it can you do uh your best peter griffin for me right now actually, that, that was actually it. that's actually, the best i've got actually try <laughs> anyways okay that's gonna be it for this week's episode of in the deep thank you so much for joining us once again we appreciate it if you like the show be sure to leave a review and <laughs> subscribe to the podcast oh my gosh Webzy. uh i wish y'all could see what he's doing to me right now it's 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 awful yeah this is it, it's so hard to work with a child folks i can't believe it um <laughs> if you like the show please leave a review on your podcast podcast platform of choice now i'm all shook up uh and then have that effect we'll, and we'll be back next week with what are we doing next week which uh position are we doing middle infielders middle or infielders. catchers and relievers one or the other probably middle infielders i think cool We'll that's, that's gonna be a rough in, that's gonna be a rough episode yeah, we'll see we'll see all right we'll be back next week with, with middle infielders and on that note schwebzy send them out bye friends bye